Welcome to the Armchair Critics Podcast. We are the underqualified experts who discuss all things sport, work and life with little to no background or supporting evidence. Jack, how you been, mate? So good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm, as be- I'm better than the weather at the moment, which is surprising considering how big last night could have been. Yeah, it could have been. So, um, great to see you uh, in attendance at our, uh, at our hockey presentation as, yeah. a, as a future member of the club. Just want to have a vibe check. Yeah. Did, it, did we pass? Yeah. <laughs> Just. Just. <laughs> I really don't think it mattered. As long as I'm playing Div 3 with you and or Sam. It's not really going to matter, I, is it? That's all I care. Yeah. No, that'll be, that'll be a bit of fun. Um, well, we might just jump straight into the cricket and rip the band-aid off um, regarding Australia's performance last night in our opening match um, with New Zealand piling on 200 to, uh, to start off. Finn Allen came out of the blocks... Like a bullet a gate, mate. He was absolutely ridiculous. Scoring 46 off 15 balls or something. And from there, New Zealand really never looked back. Posted 200 and Australia were never chasing 200 after the pounding that they were just given in the previous hour and a half. Gee, they were good. New, New Zealand. Ze- yeah, they were very good. Oh, they, they got a good kit this year as well. Yep. Yeah, a little bit of bit, bit old school in their kit with the you know bringing in you know endorsing a bit of the grey colour in the in the kit, but mate, they were so good. And then they they just bowled so much smarter than Australia did. Um, and the one thing I think that was blaringly obvious last night is that playing on a flat deck, you really need your biggest weapon is deception. Yeah. And Australia, outside of Adam Zampa, don't have any deception whatsoever. It's kind of, I know where this is going. So, but you look at like, like new guys like New Zealand, who Trent Bolt is very, like, has a very very deceptive slow ball, as does Tim Southey. Yeah, a lot of subtle variations. Ish Sodi is a very very good league spinner um, in the short eight. format, very crafty. So they've just got a lot of guys. So you know they don't have anyone. Oh, they've got Lockie Ferguson, who you know brings a bit of aggression and a bit of heat. So they've got variety in their attack, and they've got some smarts, and they've got deception. So and England, I was thinking about it. England have the same. So when Chris Wokes and Sam Curran, very deceptive bowlers. Just again, just subtle changes of pace. Mark Wood brings the aggression. His average speed last night was over 145 k's an hour. That's outrageous. He did not bowl a single ball under 140. That man bowls wheels. Okay, and Adil Rashid very deceptive again. So I, I just think he'd be the best league sprinter in the comp. It, it would be very close. I'm quite high on Adam Zampa. I think he's a very, very good bowler. Um, but the supporting cast around him really just didn't give him any support last night. Um, so I just think, and a guy that we harp on a lot about on this podcast, Nathan Ellis, he's that guy. He's, he's the guy he can perfect. he can still bowl 140 clicks, but then his, his changes of pace are so good. We saw in that in the game against England, he was the reason England didn't make 250. He was the reason that when he he went at uh, he went for tw- at five and over he went for twenty off his four overs took three far and with they England still made t- nearly two hundred and ten mm. so he he's young his slow balls are elite oh my god his arm speed doesn't change at all dude he's just he's absolutely elite and he needs to be in the setup and it's just ridiculous that he's not even in the fifteen ridiculous mm. when Australia had a chance to get him in. With Josh Inglis getting injured, that team, that team last night that we that we fielded is so risky with the batting lineup as well. Like yeah. if none, if none of them kick on early, it's just like it's a house of cards. Yeah, with no with no Smith holding it down through the middle. The smartest bat was probably Wade at seven. Yeah, so but then but by the time he came in, it was it was, it was game over already. But when you like, you're right, Marsh Stoinis. Maxwell and Tim David as your three, four, five, six. They're all great guys. Uh, Mitch Marsh is probably the exception there because he would get in just purely as a top order bat. I think he's our best T twenty three. Yep, I agree. Um, but the other guys, they're all great guys to have coming in in the twelfth over. They're not great guys to have come in in the fourth over or the seventh over like it was last night. So, and it, this was concerning for this has been concerning for the last month with Australia playing so many T20s as warm-ups how have we not worked it out how have we not worked it out how have we not worked out that Steve Smith is crucial to us winning a World Cup is beyond me I'd open him 
He just oh or, I don't I don't know if he needs four. to open, but he, just, if he needs to be there because if we lose two wickets in the first four overs, which happens all the time in T twenty cricket, he's the guy. He gets you from the fourth over to the thirteenth over, and then your big boys, your maxis, your Stoyness, your Davids, your Wades come in and cash in later. Let him go. But there is no point Tim David coming in in the seventh over. He's not going to make eighty or ninety. He's the guy that's going to come in and make forty off twenty I, exactly. or thirty off twelve. So Australia just got it all wrong, selection-wise and playing-wise. Last night they were just completely off. So it's a bit of a write-off game, really, going to the game next game, um, just with a clear mind. But I'd probably, certainly uh, more to take out of it for New Ze- from a New Zealand point of view because they were very, very good. I'd probably drop Stoinis for Smith, and then I'd probably drop Cummins for Ellis. Yeah, but it's like they can't. Can't take anyone now from outside of your fifteen. Who's our other bowler? Oh, it's Kane Richardson. Kane Richardson, Bro. Ashton How? Agar. So you could pick a second spinner. See, if you I don't mind to. Ashton Agar in there. Yeah, as an extra spin option. Um, and he's different. Yeah, and he's quite deceptive himself. Yeah, yeah. He's proven performer. He was Australia's T Twenty Player of the Year not that long ago, he's maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, also a weapon in the field. So. It you know could certainly do worse, but I think I don't think Australia's team selections were too far wrong with what we've got in our fifteen. I would have Steve Smith in there, no doubt, but I just think it was a pretty poor game from Australia. So we just need to move on from that quickly. Um, that was probably a game that we didn't want to lose, given no way. The pool yeah, that yeah, we're yeah, every game so, Yeah, like, so we're kind of we're kind of chasing the eight ball from here on out. So I still don't doubt that we can do it, but um, yeah, we've certainly made the road. Uh, a lot tougher for ourselves. Um, now, the other thing I wanted to touch on was um, looking forward to the test summer, this summer. Um, there, in, ret- in regards to selections, uh, we've seen the first two rounds of the Sheffield Shield. Are there, is there anyone kind of, you know, putting their hand up for... You know, a bit of as a bit of a smoky selection for the test squad. You know, if you consider maybe they'll take fifteen or sixteen in the in the playing squad. Is there anyone that's kind of caught your eye? So ahead of Scott Boland, I would have Michael Nisa and Sean Abbott, without even thinking about it too hard. Like they're both better at cricket than Scott Boland. Like it's not that hard. Even better bowlers, in my opinion. Yeah, and, it's, they, um, and they offer more with the bat. They're probably better fielders. It's very um, the Scott Boland thing is very strange. Right? I don't find him very good. Like he he's just one of those guys. He doesn't really do anything special, and he's not. Uh, like you look at him, and you look at him play cricket, and you go, yeah, like he he goes okay, but it's just a perfect scenario for him in the last two tests or three tests of the Ashes series last year. Yeah, um, I think if we. You know, being real with ourselves, those two are much better. I'd even consider Jai Richardson again. So I he's, think he's looking really good. I think the bowlers are pretty well set, right? Like I, I think it's Stark, Cummins, and Hazelwood, barring injury. Mm. So if we go to the bats, I don't understand Uzi not opening at Shield level when he when he opened for Australia. Is that is that him meaning he's not going to open? I don't think so. I think he will still open in the test arena. And I think it's really just down to he is a better middle. It's so hard. Queensland just have this massive log jam of openers. They've got, because now that Kawaja is opening for Australia, they've got him. They've got Joe Burns, Matt Renshaw, who we'll talk about later, Mm. and Bryce Street, who's not playing at the minute. Somehow, after making 280 not. Yeah. (laughs) So... I think, you know, obviously Kawaj is in the in their best team, and so is Renshaw, and I think Renshaw in the long format is a An far opener. better opener than he is a middle order player. So it makes Queensland stronger having Uzi at four, and Renshaw at the top, which is a bizarre thing to say given Kawajo is, um, you know, the one of the best opening bats in Australia, obviously. So I don't know. It, it's tough. Um, I the two guys that probably have stood out to me so far. One is Renshaw, um, yeah. making that double hundred. It's kind of put him back in the conversation. I don't know that he's quite there yet, um, but it's very good. Given in the next couple of years, we are going to see a change of guard at the top of the order for Australia. I'm um, I'm no taking 
all Junction Oval games out of options. And that was I'm not including them. Um, I actually uh, said this to my dad the other day. They need to stop playing four day cricket at Junction Oval. It is a waste of everybody's time. It's great for like Marsh, uh, for the like Marsh Cup one day games. Yep, Perfect absolutely nice. Yeah, you know, good carry and stuff. But but when you've got to take ten wickets to stop bowling in a day, it becomes quite difficult. Yeah. So, um, and I think the other one, um, not just off the back of the start of the Shield season, but his winter and his last, probably the last um, Shield season as well, is Peter Hanscom. Now, you have a look at his record. His record in Test cricket is actually quite good. It's good. Averages 40. Averages nearly 40 in Test cricket, a couple of hundreds. Um, you know, it got off to a good start and then kind of got found out with the, the, the faster bowling and people like because he bats so deep and his crease was quite susceptible to getting trapped in front, especially the ball that tails in late to him. So, but he's pretty widely regarded as one of Australia's better players of spin bowling. And Australia have a test tour to India in March, I believe. You'd take him? I would take him to India. I'd take Puck with as well. Who? Pukowski. Yeah. Um, it's all just about match fitness for him, right? But I just think it, it's a no-brainer um, to take hands him to India because one of the guys who I think is a lock for the Australian summer is Travis Head. And, yeah. one, and one guy who I do not think should ever play another test match in the subcontinent is Travis Head. He just looks all at sea, I'd man. like Matt Renshaw over there. Yep. And he that's, that's what I mean with Renshaw. He's another one that you can definitely see him um, long-term. And if, if the selectors are willing to keep one eye on that India series, which I think they will, and no disrespect to the teams coming out here this summer, but we've got South Africa and the West Indies coming out here for the test summer this year who are probably not the strongest of test playing nations particularly away from home I don't mind so I think South Africa will actually be a sneaky good series it should be a good series I just don't think they've got the batting yeah they their bowling attack is elite man proper elite proper elite no, honestly, Pro- maybe probably on par with Australia it'd for be good the to see best Nor- test attack it'd right? be good to see Nokia on Australian pitches Rabada Nokia Ngidi and Marco Janssen. Yeah. Oh, going head to head with Cummins, Stark, Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood. Hazelwood, Cameron Green. Oh, dude. Hello. It's, it's going to be absolutely elite. It's going to be fire. And I reckon that the per- first test of the summer, I think, is in Perth. Ooh. Oh, imagine that. Imagine the, the pace and bounce over there. Fucking hell. It's going to be elite. So, Maharaj um, is also a or, very good spinner. Very, very good spinner. A very One of the best spinners South Africa has probably ever produced, just quietly. Um, but I, I just think that Australia should obviously be focusing on winning both the series here in Australia, but they need to keep one eye because really uh, that, that India series, that's huge. Hmm. So um, I think they should be keeping one eye on it. So those two, um, so I would you- also be taking uh, one of the left arm finger spinners instead of Swepson to India. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Todd Murphy getting a gig. He's looked pretty good. He has looked pretty good. I reckon he's taking line two point Yeah, um, just his shape on the ball is better than most of the other off spinners in the country. I think, like he, obviously he turns the ball, but he gets good shape, like good drift. Gets a really nice like dip. Yeah. So and which is what Lion tries to do, right? Tries to get the the good like shape on the ball, extract that extra bounce, which it looks like Murphy tries to do as well. So, um, he's an exciting prospect that's kind of come up out of nowhere. Yeah. Like the last 12 to 18 months for him has been whirlwind. He's gone from still being a clubby to going on an Australia A tour. I still think Kuderman's the next best offie. I think it's Agar. Oh, yeah. He's just play- for me, it's just, like, I don't know how you can consider him that much when he doesn't play any red ball. Um, he does when he's fit and not in... International. In the international squads. Yeah, so okay. it makes it... You're right, though. It makes it kind of tough. It was a little bit like the Josh Inglis thing, right? When the Alex, when Alex Carey made his debut, it was really... And he had been doing poorly in Red Bull cricket up to that point for the, the previous 12 months, but at least he'd played. Josh Inglis, who... you Like, if, some, if you had picked Josh Inglis, you could go, yeah, I can see why they did that, because his Shield season the year before was elite. Yeah, well, but but because, he'd been, because of the extended squads with... But, 
team's been in bubbles and shit. He'd not, he'd not played a single first-class game for nearly 12 months. I would have picked Jimmy Pearson. And Jimmy Pearson is a, another guy um, who has started quite well um, this year. I had the stats up and now... I reckon, I reckon he has the best gloves in the country. He's been very good. Very good with the gloves. Um, but it was just so good with the bat too. He's just so calm and composed. And he's been... Um, his form with the bat in the last two years really has been um, has been fantastic. So... You look at uh, so most runs this year. He has 156 runs at 78 oh. through two only two innings. Um, so only beaten by Sam Harper, who scored 130 odd or something. At Junction Junction. doesn't count. So, um, so yeah, Peter Hanscom's got 400 runs in three digs and an average of 211. Junction Oval doesn't count. Um, uh, the other ones are the two left-handed opening bats down in. Tasmania. Caleb Jewell, mate. Caleb Jewell and Tim Ward, both averaging uh, high 40s Caleb to start Jewell the year. hit one of the yuckest hundreds at, when I was at your house a couple of months ago in the, the one-day series. The, yeah. And I was saying, I was saying like I sneaky like him and he's just popped off. Yeah. So, um, he's far too aggressive for Red Bull though. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, Tim now, Ward, Hilton, though, Hilton Tim. Cartwright's got 185 runs at 92 and a half. So he's another guy to keep an eye on. Has played Test cricket already, but he's only thirty. So you know you could potentially see him add uh, add caps to that as well. Um, but with Cameron Green, you know it's one of those things. All rounders are probably not going to get a look in for the next fifteen years, which is unfortunate. Cartwright doesn't bowl anymore. The WA. Yeah, actually, they um, who made all the runs against them this week. Oh, that was against Victoria. Yeah. Um, they bowled one hundred and sixty overs and only used six bowlers. And Hilton Cartwright wasn't one of them. No, nah, it was D- Darcy Short. Bold, yeah, bowled 20. Um, Roger Chelly, who just got picked up by the Renegades, actually, Rocket bowled 45 overs. He's not very, I don't rate Roger Chelly that much. I haven't seen him bowl he's, enough. He's, comment, he, um, but. he's kind of the opposite of Todd Murphy, where he comes, he's more round-arm in yeah. his like, delivery. Um, and the other guy who's gone quite well with the bat, Ben Menenti. He's got 144 runs and 144 through he's, two um, digs. He's actually got a few wickets as well. Yeah. So he's one to look out for in the big bash, I reckon, this year. Because he didn't play at all last year with that neck thing. He had some weird neck injury, like stress fracture in a high vertebrae in his neck. In the cervical. Yeah. Yeah, cervical. Is it? I'll let you have that one. I'm not confident with how I pronounce it. I am also not sure, actually. So we'll leave that one. Say that for another day. Um, but yeah, plenty to look forward to. I think the bowling, Sean Abbott definitely deserves a crack. Just without a doubt. Deserves deserves to continue being in the squad because I genuinely think he is a guy that would do very, very well playing test cricket. Yeah. All ra- like just an all-round prospect. Anything Scott Boland can do, I think Sean Abbott can do better. Yeah. So, and um, two Queenslanders sit at the top of the list for wicket-takers yep. for the Shield season so far. Steckity. Steckity with Swep, 10. And Gurinda Sandu with also, hey. also with 10. Swepson has eight. Swepson missed the first game, though. So, he took eight in the one game that he's played so far. Yeah, he had a five-wicket haul. Yeah. So... Um, he bowled like a thousand overs, though. Yeah, plenty uh, plenty to look forward to for, um, for Australia this coming Test summer. I th- I'm hoping that... We might see a few fresh faces, not fresh faces, but guys back in the squad with an eye on the India series because that's the real test, is a way. Because then we go India in India in March and then to England in England for the Ashes. So we've got two, probably the two biggest away series Australians play within the space of five months of one another. So it is just going to be fucking awesome. I can't wait to see how they go. A lot of cricket learning out soon. Oh, man, I'll be wigging out. Um, that's all I've got for cricket. Uh, we're just going to power through the sport. Yeah, let's power through it. Right. Uh, I mean, if you haven't put people to sleep yet, Jack, with cricket. We're getting close. We're getting close. Right. Um, <laughs> NRL World Cup, very, very briefly. Oh, let's run through this. So, um, Australia whooped Scotland. Scotland, 84 0. Adokar and Burton. Scored one of the better tries of all time. Wasn't it? That was you know, like the last couple of minutes. Adokar had four. Campbell Graham had three on debut. How he didn't get a run for New South Wales this year. Him and Adokar actually is just beyond me. Campbell Graham played awesome. And he's been playing awesome all year, really. He's kind of... 
I don't know. He's just one of those guys. He's so... He just... He goes unnoticed a lot by guys who don't watch close enough. So if you're really paying attention, he does all the little things right. He's one of the best defensive centers in the comp. So he deserves a crack. Now, something not... It, it looks makes Fitler look pretty dumb when him and Adokar excel. For didn't Australia. play for New South Wales. But didn't play for New South Wales. But scored seven tries between them in one game. Yeah. Now... Um, I understand it's Scotland. Yeah. But still. So, um, and an article um, has been released by um, Professor Buckland, who does quite a lot of research into CTEs um, yeah. with... Uh, uh, with former uh, footballers, like NFL footballers, but NRL footballers as well. Um, and the this is going back to Paul Green, who we spoke about uh, a couple of months ago now, I suppose, um, who passed away after you know, taking his own life. Um, now, I'm going to... Obviously, people listening to this can't see this. Um, we might... I don't really want to put it up on the socials because it's just fucking depressing, but... They do like a cross-section and put under a microscope a piece of um, brain matter, right? And that that screen there is what a healthy brain is supposed to look like. Mm. And that is what Paul Green's looked like. Wow. So, for, I'll, you know, and it's wooden- supposed to look pretty clear with a you know, few blue spots all over the place, which is just, uh, just obviously protein in that. Picture a, th- picture a three-year-old with a red crayon. Yeah. So, and Paul Green's brain has shown... Um, yeah, so like extensive um, CTE damage. Now it's not. It, it, I've read a bit about it. It's not a matter of um, how much of it is present. It's where it's present. Right. So it's in particular spots in the brain, um, and this is in an important part of the brain um, in terms of like controlling emotions and that. So the most common symptoms of CTE is impulsivity. They suffer from anxiety, depression. Um, and yeah, just in general, um, have trouble controlling their emotions, big mood and mood swings, behavioral issues, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it's just really, um, sad, obviously, but it's, I, I feel like it is a better end to that for his family. Um, because they've spoken to his wife and his wife basically said, look, we can you know, tell the kids and the kids kind of understand that. That you know that he was sick, basically. Yeah. You know that he he wasn't in a, the right frame of mind, and it wasn't you know due to him hating his life or whatever. You know, it's all it, it's because of an actual dying, like an actual injury. Really, so his like wouldn't be as bad as some others as well. You wouldn't imagine so. I can't quite a lot of games. He's a small dude, but yeah. And we were, we were talking about this. Um, I showed my dad this, and he was pretty staggered by it as well, and. You just, I know that obviously with all this, all the research and the um, and things around CTEs and head knocks and concussions and things like that, they are being overly cautious. But taking someone off after a head knock, it's not actually helping. Like you can't unring that bell. Yeah, like they've still copped the head knock, and it's just one of those things. It'll keep just it's going to keep happening in contact sport, right? I don't know what the answer is. I think... Th- I don't know if there is, or an-, is an answer because it's still happening in the NFL with helmets. So you yeah. can't even say like equipment help. The There's a study with headgear that co- further... It causes the brain to shake more on impact. Yeah. So that it's actually not helpful at all. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It's just one of, and it is. It's all just from your brain just shaking around and knocking into your skull the whole time. So you just... You know, and um, the other one was James Graham who obviously suffered... Um, Fuck loads of concussions, especially towards the back end of his career. It's quite mm. sickening to watch, actually. Um, and he he knew the risks, and he said, "I just." It was fairly well criticised as well that he felt that like, like it was football was worth enough to him to risk his health to yep. play. Um, and he's only thirty eight or thirty nine or something. And he's um and they've done a scan on his brain, um and it showed um small uh, shrinkages in parts of his brain. Yeah, wow. Which um like millimeters wise, it was small, but for someone of his age, significant. So, it's scary stuff. And 
uh, really not something that you want to talk about too much, but I feel like it's something you kind of got to you got to bring up and bring to the table because it's a serious issue. And a lot of these guys are, you know, especially the older guys, like it's too late. Like all this research come out in the last 10 years, all these guys are like Mario Fennec. Yeah. Doesn't even know he's here anymore. And like, and no one knew the real risk. You know, if, if they hadn't known the risks 40 years ago, would they have done it? You just don't know. Yeah. They'll, 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 they can't answer properly now anyway, which is a sad thing. Exactly. So, no, uh, sad stuff. Uh, well, so we'll move quickly on past that. The NBA has started. Oh, baby. Oh, it's back. Yeah, there's a couple of people that listen that hate how much we talk about the NBA. But, but it's back. It's, we're, sp- we're speaking about it. We're back. Um, Philly lost this morning to the Spurs. They've started 0-3. Terrible. Concerns? No. I agree. They, um, they played two decent teams their first two games. The Spurs one is a little... I don't want to say concerning, but... Okay, it is, to an extent. But, yep. like, but, I mean, the last two games that they uh, that they played, I think they played they played the Bucks. In my head, the first um, 10 games don't really count. Um, and they played the Celtics. Celtics game was good. So, the two, those two teams, they'll play in the Eastern Conference Finals, I reckon, this year. The Celtics and the Bucks. Yeah. They're my two teams in the East. I don't reckon anyone will touch them. The 76ers will go get into the second round again as per fucking usual and <laughs> choke it up. Um, so and uh, so, who do you like and who don't you like after the first four days? Are we doing our hot takes? Yeah, yep. Um, nah, I think Celtics look really good. Yeah. Like, impressively good. And their alternate jersey is delicious. It is. Um, the, what's the name? Bucks look good again. I think it's pretty important how Chris Middleton is to that team. Like we saw that last year. Noticeably different after the playoffs last year. Like not having that multi-level scorer to help Giannis out was pretty massive. Yeah, um, I'm actually quite shimmer on the Cavaliers. I we think they'll do, absolutely stole Donovan Mitchell. Yep, I think they'll do quite well. Um, Garland absolutely shut the bed yesterday, but like, I don't think he'll ever play worse. It was like two for 10 or something. Yeah, but it's one of those things. It will take him a while to get used to playing next to a ball-dominant guard because he's not really had that yet. Like nah. Sexton was out the whole year last year, so mm. he didn't really have that. I think... Um, I actually think the Nets will be elite. It's just going to take a little bit. Once they get I reckon they'll be together, like the sixth seed, but I would not want to play him in the playoffs at all. Nah. Nah, they and will get it all together eventually. I'm sticking to the East. The paces look good. They have a good squad, but they don't have elite talent. Yeah. But we're both massive here on Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. And massive on the Kings and how badly they fucked up by trading him away last year because he was the future of their franchise. And that's the Pacers gain because he's the future of their franchise, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's incredible. Um, in the West, what do you think? Uh, Is there anything I said in the East you don't agree with? I think the Bulls are going to stink it up. And that's my probably first hot take. I'll get into it now. Um. Bulls will sting it up. DeMar will not be an all-star this year and Chris Middleton will. Yep. Um, DeMar, I really don't like DeMar DeRozan and anyone that knows me knows that. I think... I think he's going to be even worse this year. I think Kevin Love will finish top three in the sixth man of the year again. Big call. Big call. But I reckon he will. I reckon he's a massive piece for Cleveland. He's so good. He went from... Like, he signed that massive deal on the back of the chip. And then kind of didn't play a lot, got injured, sat out a bit, looked like they were going to trade him, couldn't find any takers for him. And now he's proving to be a really, really solid piece of them again, off the bench. He's just boards, points, leadership. So good for the second unit. Yep, so good. He just kind of lets lets the second unit run the game and or he just puts up shots when he needs to, grabs the ball when he needs to. He so just kills it. Is so. that your hot take? No, so I've got... Um, Jar will win MVP. Oh, I couldn't disagree more. No. He's looked incredible, but he's not the MVP. Yeah, uh, I'm calling it. He'll win the MVP. Bro, have you not watched the game today in the Mavericks? Oh, there's, there's plenty a pace, of time left. There is a pasty prince killing it. Luka Doncic looks unbelievable. Jar, MVP. They're hot takes, man. Yep. you gotta you got to throw long bombs. 
Um, speaking of not so long bombs, Westbrook will be traded before the All Star break. I actually think that is a hot take because I can't see anyone taking him. I reckon what someone the, will take him. What have the Lakers got to give? Nothing. I think they might have a first rounder. Oh, in what, 27? It's okay. <laughs> OKC might take him. Mm. Just for that pick. Yeah. What's they going to have 40? They've got the cap space. He's only got one year left to run on his deal. I think. I think it's only one year. Continue. Um, SGA will make his first all-star game. I like that. I actually like that. With with Donovan Mitchell going east. It's opened up a guard spot. It's opened up a guard spot. And I think... He was very I close. I think he'll get it. He was close last year. Um, and I think he gets it, man. Like, there's a few walk-up starters. Like, Steph Curry, Jar, Luca, Devin Booker. Yep. They're just locks. Like, no thought about it. You don't even need to think about it, right? And if you are thinking about it, how about you don't? And you imagine that there'd probably be seven guards, I'd six, go six or seven. Six. So you've got at least two spots there I think, left. I, th- I think he gets one. I think he gets one. Because um, Deont- he's going to average 25. Deontay Murray's moved to the east as well. Also, yep, moved east. So not, not really a whole lot of them have moved west. Like, at high elite level talented guards. Um, do you have any? I actually, I like that take. Um, if, if I could bet on it, I would. My other one is that the Celtics will win the East. Okay. Mine Which is not a massive hot take because they won it last year. But I think even fully... F- if everyone is fully fit, I think they are the best team in the East. In fact, fully fit, they might be the best team in the comp. It's a little bit hotter. In fact, I'm, I'm going to say they are. I reckon they're the best well-rounded squad... In the NBA. I um all right, I'll give you mine. So I've already said the that DeMar will not make an all star, Chris Middleton will, as my first take. My second take, it's not it's probably my least hottest, is our Clippers to win sixty plus games. Whoa. Sixty plus? Yep. Sixty plus. Yep. That's a lot of games. I know what I'm saying. Sixty. They look good. Fuck. because I, I think they're the best team in the league. 60 games? Yeah. That's fucking heaps, man. You know Kawhi's only going to play about 60 games. Mate, and they'll win all of them. <laughs> playoff P's playoff playing regular season. Um, Timberwolves to make the playoffs over the Lakers for the last seed in the West? Uh, yeah. As currently constructed, I really can't see the Lakers making the playoffs. At all. At I all. think I think the Wolves will. And I think the um, my last one, I think you, you'll you'll like this. Regardless of who gets the number one pick, OKC will get it off them. <laughs> I love that. I and genuinely think they will trade up to 10 picks for that first pick this year. I'd love that. We were talking about, like, spitballing about this the other day. Like, as I, an OKC fan, would you be okay trading 10 first-round picks you have for next year? 36 years? picks over the next five to 10 years? Uh, it's... It is something like that. It's like 30-odd picks in the next... Oh, is it 37 in the next six, six drafts? Ridiculous. I genuinely think they will trade 10 picks for Webanyama. I so, hope they do. Like, I'm, Imagine him and Chet. Yeah. And, oh. and then Giddy feeding them. Giddy will average 13 assists. He will turn into Steve Nash. But like, it's a no-brainer in my head. Especially if they get like the fifth pick and move that across as well, someone it's just someone will do it. You've just got to hope that someone like the Kings get the first overall pick, because like the team would have to be pretty stupid to do it. I don't, I don't know. I reckon there'll be enough picks where a GM just goes, "This is too stupid not to do." Yeah, I've had enough of your phone calls. Let's do the deal. Seriously, how many picks is too many? I don't. Well, <laughs> that would be unprecedented, surely. Like. What's it? Is the the records like five? I think. Like, I reckon it was that Rudy Gobert deal. Rudy Gobert. I, I th- um, Minnesota gave up four first rounders or five first rounders. No. Maybe maybe four and a pick swap. I reckon it was four and a pick swap for Gobert. So. Webinyama, I actually think I'd, if I was the Cavs and I had thirty six picks, I'd be willing to trade after fifteen. That's a lot of picks. <laughs> That's a lot on one dude. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no fair though, because he looks like an absolute weapon. Like a genuine can turn a franchise around. Like if he went to the Kings, mm. they'd still be shit. Let's not think about that. But it's a, it, it's got a little bit of feeling like the Zion thing where he's the consensus number one pick and you just feel... Is he though? Because there's people that want to take Scoot. I think he's the consensus number one pick, really. I under, I totally get the whole hesitancy on taking bigs, number one, because historically that's gone poorly, right? Especially in the last 20 years. Yeah, Anthony Bennett. Historically has been... I mean, DeAndre Ayton, good player. Not in the top five in his draft class. That's hot. I reckon he is. He's not better than Luca. No, I'd pick him fourth. He's not better than Trey. Was that SGA's year? He's not better than SGA. I'm, p- I'm picking him fourth in a redraft. Jaron Jackson? No, he's better than Jaron Jackson. Ooh, it's close, though. It is close. The, as of today, he's, be- he's better than Jaron Jackson. Okay. I'll allow that. So, but, uh, you know... A transcendent um, big, though, is so much more so, worth more at the top than a effective wing. Yes, that's yes, I agree. They, that's why they tend to get drafted the good ones quite high. Yeah, so that uh, it's exciting. And OKC, you would think will be a chance with Chet sitting out the whole year. That sucks. It does suck. But can you like Twin Towers two point It's got the Tim Duncan, David Robinson just written all over it. But fifty pounds lighter. Just give it to me. <laughs> Give it to me. And both of them can shoot threes. Yeah, it's also outrageous. That fucking three that Weapon Yama hit fading away in the corner. I was like, that's actually disgusting. Nah, bigs shouldn't be able to do that. It's just ridiculous. Um, so I think that's probably all I had for the NBA. Um, you got anything else? Um, yeah, fuck it. Chicago won't make the playoffs. I think they will. Only based on um, the fact that there is, there's some proper stinky teams in the East. One more thing on the NBA, actually. Has an NBA franchise or any sporting franchise had a worse off-season than, or like 12 months, than Charlotte Hornets right now? They've had five no. blokes They've had five blokes arrested. Five? Montrez Howard got arrested for possession. Oh, yeah. Um, PJ Washington drunk driving, I think. Yeah. Um, then there was Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges whacking his misses. Domestic violence. Um, James Booknight. Yep, Booknight. <laughs> who was found drunk, passed out in the driver's seat of his car with a gun on his lap. Yep. Classy. Uh, and then they waved every f- like 12 months, they'll pick up Leangelo Ball and then wave him after he does anything significant whatsoever. Yeah. Um, something else happened as well that was pretty ridiculous. They traded away um, Duran on draft night. Yeah. Who I reckon he's going to be That's, good. Yeah, Jalen Duran. We, we were talking about it. So he went to the Pistons yep. for nothing. Pretty much. And he looks quality. Yeah. And you know who could really use Jalen Duran? Hornets. The Hornets. Given like, who's the... Also, they got rid of Noah Vonley a couple of years ago and he looks very good at Boston. It's a system thing. Boston is sneaky, slowly turning into the Spurs. Mm. Where anyone that goes there, like they're very selective with who they get in. Like Derek White. You know, I just like, had this argument off Like there Derek before. White. I was just having this conversation with you off mic that he could go anywhere else in the league and average 12 bum, points, bum it up. five assists, and just be like a seventh dude. But he goes to Boston. He's good on the defensive end. He creates for them on the offensive end. Brogdon will flourish there. Yep. So it, he is another perfect example. The Brogdon and Derek White, they're reasonably similar, really. Both of them aren't great shooters, but both good facilitators, very good defenders, which I think is what Boston are trying to do, right? They just they don't they don't really get anyone in who's a poor defender. Nah. Really. Like I know they they brought in Gallinari, who obviously won't play this year with the they ACL injury. Shooting. And they needed shooting off the bench. And he's a perfect guy that could have given them eight to 10 points a game off the bench in limited minutes. But they've got scoring. Jalen Brown's flourishing. Jason Tatum's flourishing. But their defense, man, is stifling. Disgusting. Stifling. When um, Time Lord's back, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart. I love the Time Lord. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. 
Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Al Horford. Their best eight players are all plus defenders. And that is nearly... You've nearly never seen that. No. Nah. Like, that, that's the eight that they'll run in the playoffs. They're all plus defenders. 100%. It's not like, you know, good teams of the past where, you know, maybe your best or your second best scorer isn't a great defender. Because often they'll have a, like a microwave guy off the bench who just... Tyler Hero, for example, for Miami. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Where the, Lou Williams, prime example. Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford. Same kind of thing where they come off the bench and their only job is to put the thing in the thing. Mm. Right? But someone coming else, the other way, it's nearly, like playing, stand in the corner. it's nearly like playing five on four. Right? Whereas Boston just don't have that. Their best team are all plus defenders. Time Lord, if he could possibly stay on the court for 70 games a year... He'd win Defensive Player of the Year. Mm. Only every year. He's that good. He's that good. Right? So, And he just fits their system perfectly. So hopefully if they stay healthy, I reckon they win it all. Yeah. Yep. And that'll be exciting because they're good to watch. As, a, as an actual basketball fan, they're good to watch. I've watched all three of their games this year. Yeah. So you just don't want to miss it because they're just that good to watch. Also, just quietly, as currently recording, OKC are up three against Denver. Yeah, the boys. Shea Gill just has 15 and 5. Yep. Giddy's got 8, 3 and 3. Mr. Triple Single. Nah, there's no way he's <laughs> averaging a triple single this year, baby. Nah, he'll average 13, 8 and 8. Yeah, I like that. All right, moving on. Moving on. What else you got? Uh, F1's on in America at the moment. Yep. Uh, for those that follow me on Instagram, Daniel Ricciardo maybe did the, the most outrageous entrance to a racetrack ever. Yep. Um, rode a horse and then hired two country singers to sing Texas songs on his way into the Texas arena. The horse had its own pit paddock pass with its own photo so it could get in and out of the gates. Name of Mr. Horsey Horse. The name of Mr. Ricardo's friend. Yeah. <laughs> and he did all of that to bow out in Q1. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a bit of shit, a bit of driver stuff going on. Like, America's going to have their first F1 drivers in, like, five or six years next year with Logan Sargent going to Williams, who's currently, I think he's second or third in F2. So he needs to finish in the top six to get enough super license points to go across. Uh, Nick, the Haas, there's two seats left. That's one of them. So that leaves the Haas seat wide open. Ricardo's not going there. He's he signed a reserve driver... Um, gig for next year either at Red Bull or Mercedes but they haven't released it yet but it was first thought as Mercedes but I I think it's actually going back to Red Bull and Checo's contract runs out next year which could be quite interesting Mm. could be a Verstappen Ricardo line up again at Red Bull which would be so delicious you'd have been paying long odds to get that 12 months ago yeah um yeah, so the Haas had their... So every every um, year, F1, each team needs to do an allocated amount of rookie FP1 sessions. Yep. Um, and all the teams have left it to the end of the year. So there's five in FP1 today, or yesterday. So there's Antonio Giovinazzi for Haas, who used to race at Alfa Romeo. He's a Ferrari junior. Crashed. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> and he's meant to get the seat there. So, And they're kicking Mick Schumacher out for having too many crashes. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So, nah, F1 will be good. Um, next year's going to be pretty wild. Drive to Survive this year is going to be only amazing. Yeah. I didn't watch the first. Is it a series or something? Is it? Netflix series. Yeah, I didn't watch it. You need to watch Recommend? it. Recommend? Absolutely. If it just, like, even if it's just like a sporting fan, it's, it's gotten so many more eyes on the sport, but, like, it's very dramatic. I'm all about that. I'm all about sports you, trying to get more viewers. You, so. need, you need to sit down and watch it. It's really good. Righto. It's, uh, it's one spied the test. Oh, sick. So okay. That were the first ones see, to do and it. See the test. They're doing it again. Yeah. They're running another one. So that's that, going to be... I fucking frothed the first one. So it was good. so good. Um, I haven't got much else for sport. Righto. Uh, well, overrated, underrated. We bring it back. It's back. It's been a while. I'll kick us off with a discussion that we had in a group chat this week. <laughs> pulp in orange juice. Massively underrated. I fucking agree. It's a must. <laughs> it's absolutely elite. I hate the argument that was given that you can't, you don't chew drinks. 
But you, when you're drinking pulped orange juice, you don't chew you don't it. Chew it. You just drink it. It just gives texture to something that tastes awesome. Yeah. See, I, I actually don't like orange juice that much without it. For me, it's a deal breaker. I don't really drink that much orange juice. Neither do I. But, but if, if I, I drink it, I want it pulpy. I'm buying pulp. It's the they're very specific. It's the black branded one. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> the one you're talking about. And it's like yeah, with fucking and the it, the bottle is dead set thirty percent pulp. Yeah, and it's fucking elite. Give me it. Give me all of it. I'm actually. We might go to Coles after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, my first one for you. We'll stay on food, mayonnaise, and for oh. the and for those that know me know how much. I love my mayonnaise. Fucking overrated. It is massively underrated. It's so overrated. You can put it on anything. What the fuck's good about it though? It's like, it's not an offensive flavor, but it's like creamy texture. It's just... What's good about it? I did it on steak. Yuck. Mayonnaise on steak with a bit of pepper. Yuck. Pepper mayo is outstanding. Yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. There is only... Oh, fuck. So... <laughs> oh. I reckon there is there is not a, I don't reckon and I I see mayo it's like a condiment that you'd put on sandwiches and burgers and stuff right Everything. there is not a single sandwich or burger that is better with mayonnaise but there's always a better option there's not there's always it's a actually better option the best option whole egg mayonnaise nah no, the only actually, I tell a lie. The only time that mayo is acceptable is if you're putting it on a chicken cheese and avocado sandwich. Chicken cheese, avo, and mayo. Good of all sandwiches. That's what you would. That's the one you'd put mayonnaise on. Yeah, to, like a toasted sandwich. So egg and chicken, lettuce, no mayo. If you, if I'm gonna have an egg and lettuce sandwich, I'd actually nearly have no condiments, just salt and pepper. Oh, that's dry. If you do the eggs properly, no, it's not. But what do you put in the eggs? Huh? What do you put in the eggs? They're just like scrambled eggs or like <laughs> boiled eggs mashed. With a bit of mayo. Yeah. It is easily the best condiment of all time. It's No, it's, it's it not even close. It is so like ambidextrous. Oh, you're <laughs> just trying to make yourself sound more photosynthesis. I'm trying to think of the right word. It, like it's, you can go on anything. It's flexible. Versatile? Versatile, there we go. There's a different word for it. Ambidextrous. Fucking shit. It's, it's so good. No. It's, it's, you know why? You know how it's so good? Because there's so many variations of it. Nah, see, it's even got to the point where, like, a there's lot of stuff that you salt would put. in mayo. A lot of the stuff that you would put mayo. So, like, potato salad. How you would normally have. Mm, no, that's have got its own dressing. Potato salad? Yeah. A lot of people would just put, like, use mayo as the dressing. Interesting. Whereas we see. do part mayo, part sour cream. Because mayo is just way too overpowering. And like that would thicken it up a little bit. Yeah. Same thing with um, anyone who hasn't tried this. It is an elite combination, right? We used to have this at cricket just about every lunch. Here we go. Chicken, celery, and crushed up cashews. Shut up. In a mayo and Harry's sour tried cream to, blend. Harry's tried to talk me into this. Dude, do not knock it till you try it. I don't like cashews. Fuck, dude. It is so good. <laughs> One of the elite lunches you can have at cricket when you've just fielded and you fucking grind in the dirt for two and a half hours and you tuck into one of those life is instantly better that is the most jody sandwich i've ever heard of isn't it yeah but uh yeah i'm gonna sit on mayo it's massively underrated underrated. no you're just wrong give us your second righto uh my second leftovers for breakfast perfectly rated underrated yeah Leftovers, it's just so easy. I think it's a better lunch. It's also good. They're also good for lunch and good for dinner. Breakfast I, take, food, I, I mean, I take leftovers for lunch to work just about just about every day. Breakfast food is the best food. So I, I, I just don't know if that's the meal I replace with leftovers. I don't know. There's nearly nothing better than like tucking into a bit of leftover pasta or fucking nachos for breakfast. You know, I, I hear you. It's it's not overrated. It's I'm gonna say underrated. Okay, yeah. Uh, my next one for you is Scrabble. Scrabble. Mm. Didn't play a lot of it as a kid. We weren't really massive on board games, like playing board games as a family. And we like there were a few of them that we did play, particularly when we went away on holidays, upwards. And um, Blockus and Sequence. Sequence, Grace Camel. Um, Scrabble. 
I'm going to say it is slightly underrated. I reckon it's pretty underrated, eh? Yeah. Well, the House of Brews on Sundays used to have board game nights yeah. and $5 basics. So we'd go as a crew with my old work and we'd play Scrabble. Yeah. No, at, I am... Um, like 9 o'clock on a Sunday night. Again, haven't played a lot of it, but I do... I reckon it's a good game. It's lasted the test of time too. It's been around forever. Yeah, everyone fucking loves it. And now there's, there's that, like there's words with friends. That's and what I was stuff. Say, now there's that rip off words or with friends. Scrabble with friends or scramble with friends or something. I don't know. Fuck, whatever it is, it's literally Scrabble, but on an app, and you can play against other people. People doing spin-offs of imitation is the highest form of flattery. They mm. say so. Yeah, underrated. Uh, I feel like we may have actually spoken about this one already, but I'm going to bring it up again. <laughs> Slice cheese. Roundabouts. <laughs> Massively underrated. Hugely underrated. It's fucking annoying how they, like, Arundel took out that, that roundabout near the school and oh. the tra- set of traffic lights there. You only have traffic lights when people can't drive. I agree. But I think, they are talking about on the radio the other day, that there's a lower accident rate at roundabouts than there are at traffic lights. Perfect. So when, because like, when you come to a roundabout, you've actually got to be switched on. Traffic lights, you can just mosey on up. Traffic lights, you're just not even paying attention. You're just mindlessly driving. Mm. Way less accidents happen at roundabouts. It actually allows traffic to flow. And if you've got a high traffic area where you've got a roundabout, put lights on it. Yeah. You have both. Then it's fine. Then it, like, it, it, it still allows you like, to go. You still have to stop if there's a car coming. But so that it doesn't queue all the way back, you stop the right lane from going and the rest of it, like the incoming traffic getting on so that that's it too much sport for some people Dude, like, there should be more roundabouts, less traffic lights. I tend to agree. Fuck the lights off. That's what I like going back to smaller towns, because there's more roundabouts. Yep. Uh, ripped jeans. Ripped jeans? Yeah. There's never been a more overrated thing on planet Earth. <laughs> yep. Ripped I, clothing in general. My f- Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you remember, like, 20, like... Like as we were finishing school, those shirts with like the little slit holes at the top on the shoulders. Yeah. And people still wear the like the really long like drop, the, drop tees. The drop tees and they've got fucking slits in the or not slits in the sides, the but zips. like the cuts in the sides and oh man, dude, fuck off. <laughs> Why are you buying clothing that's damaged? You're paying more for less. You're paying more for something that's damaged. Because you imagine like if you're printing a t shirt, right, and you're trying to sell it for thirty bucks. Okay? You put a slit in it and you go, oh, like someone opens the carton, right? Cuts through the top of one of the t-shirts. Fuck. Throw that online for 55. It's limited edition and cunts buy it. Yeah. Dude, grow up. Look at this, guys. Wetter than water. Dude, fuck. <laughs> I d- like, just, yeah, oh, so, I'd like, so overrated. Why been- are you buying clothes with holes in them? We have a listener that's lost a lot of weight recently, so good on him. But he also is now starting to wear ripped jeans. <laughs> Who's wearing ripped jeans? Fridge. Oh, he's from Melbourne though. It's different. There's holes in like the knees and... Yeah, that's from other stuff. He didn't buy them like that, did you, Fridge? <laughs> Bit of chafage. Yeah, that's it. It's carpet burnt. Uh, I've got nothing else for you. Oh, nothing. Righto. Effective. Uh, is there any more sport? Any stories from the week? From me? Yeah. I joined Fifth Stop. Oh my God. I feel like we should probably <laughs> talk about that. So, uh, anyone who knows me knows that I'm... Not anti-gym, but I don't go. <laughs> and I have absolutely zero intention of going. And no motivation. Uh, yeah, no motivation. Motivation just no will. Because if you had someone, if you had a few of us that went consistently, you'd go. If we said, Jack, yes. you'd be here at this time, you'd go. I would. Um, so, anyway, walked into the cricket club on Friday night. Friday night? Friday night, yeah. Annika had boot camp dinner. Yeah, Friday night. So you're laid out. Cricket was already off. Walked in. Had a beer. Dave goes, you want to come to Fit Stop tomorrow? And my answer, as every time someone's asked me to come to Fit Stop, was, fuck no. <laughs> Sam turns around and goes, oh, I'm going. <laughs> you should come. He's like, fuck. If Sam's going, I have to go. Yeah. Right, so I'm going. Anyway, so we went. You and I were paired up together. Yeah, Dave. Also- probably, and you probably knew roughly what we were getting into. I had no idea. I was not looking forward to it. I really had I was no- pretending to look forward to it because there's a lot of guys, new guys there. Yeah, I really had no idea what I was in for. And first thing, we had to do uh, 40 bar squats each, then get on the bike. The bike's fine. Which was fine. I like the bike. Yep. I feel like we probably pushed ourselves too hard on the bike, nah. given it was our first rep. Nah. 
Anyway, next had to do the, the dumbbell fucking air press thing, whatever they are. Sh- shoulder press. Shoulder press. When you do your shoulder press, it's standing, so you'd squat down and push up. Yeah, 40 of those, which, yeah, uh, by the end of that, you're like, oh, yeah, no, I can fucking feel that. The shoulders are sore. Then and those then, fucking ski machine God, bullshit. The ski machines are outrageous. Dude, I was watching <laughs> some chick do it, and she was like an absolute machine. She was just fucking banging this thing through. And I was like, oh, maybe there's not that much resistance on it. Like, she looks like she's pounding through that. You start pulling it, and you're like, Oh, there's a fair amount of resistance yeah, on that. Yeah, it's not good. Have oh. you, did you see what like um rate you're going at? So like mine was like 14 to 1500. Yeah. Dave gets up to like 2000 and there's guys at the gym at Fitstop that get over 3000 and they've broken the cords. No, that's fucked. From Don't pulling do too hard. Anyway, so that was our second and then we had to do the row. Yep. Bar S- standing, row. Standing, um, standing rows. Standing rows. We do 40 of those mm-hmm. with, what was there, 30 kilos on that or something as well. And then a 15k... G med ball, yeah. Squat, throw it up against the wall, catch, catch it, it, squat, squat again. repeat. We did thirty of those each. Yeah. By then, I was starting to feel it. By then, I was like, "Holy fuck, this needs." To and then finish. you had maybe the worst station to go to next. Yeah, and we had um, the kettlebell swings. Yeah, and then after that, we had and to the hand release push ups. So yeah, so you had to do push ups, but yet when you hit the after you did your push up, you had to lie your stomach on the ground and, and put like your arms starfish, out. Starfish, basically. Yeah. And then have to go up again. Yeah. So, and after that, I was like, holy shit, I'm going to die. Then we had to do... So, at that point... I don't know how far we had to run. So, at that point, Sam and I... um, Me and Sam were doing push-ups at the same time. And I was like, just like, like just cruising. And then I was like, this cunt's not beating me. And I could tell he thought the same thing. And out of nowhere, we started racing. And poor you, we're just trying to catch your breath. And we I was, run through our set. I had absolutely no... No concerns about who was beating me or what score we were finishing on. I just needed to make sure I could keep breathing and keep putting one foot in front of the other. So after that, we had a 500 meter run. 500 meter run. That was great. Then came back burpees. Nearly spewed. Nearly. Yeah. By this point, I was nearly ready to spew. We'd had Indian the night before and it was sitting like in the chest. It was no good. And then we somehow got to, I reckon that was the worst station, the last one. Doing those box jumps. I love the box jumps. I was flying through them too. Fuck me. So we must have done, oh, what did we do? 25 each. Yeah. And then we did... 24, 24 inch high box jumps. Yeah. And then uh, we did about 25 or 30 air squats each. No, jump squats. Yeah, we did 55. I did 35, you did 20. Yeah, because I was fucked. <laughs> I was ready to die. And we... Uh, yeah, so that was fun. Um, by the You feel better for it. I'm actually a bit sore today. My chest I, is a bit sore today. To be honest... If they're like that every Saturday, I'd consider doing that before cricket. I would never do that before cricket. Never. Yeah. No, fuck that. So I was full of energy all day. Yeah. Which is so, weird. But I, I would do that like a morning, like if I went in and did it like a six o'clock session or something. So I do Monday and Thursday mornings at six. Because that's when I work from home. Jeez, Mondays would be a fucking punish. Nah. They're, a, they're the mixed session. So it's a mix of weights and cardio. Thursdays are weights and Wednesdays are cardio. Or well, they call it conditioning. <laughs> Is that because if they advertise it as cardio, no one no go. One go. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it's conditioning, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so no, that was fun. So anyone who uh, anyone who's keen in the area, fucking get down to Fitstop. It's Fitstop. a it's a mad vibe. Fitstop Helens are they're good. The trainers is a, are good. It is a mad vibe, and it, like you actually, you could walk in there, like I did, with every intention of just taking it easy, and you won't. And you won't. It's just like it's just got a competitive feel about it without. And no one, like, everyone cares, but, like, there's no competition. But there kind of is. But there sort of there is. Isn't. So, if you just, like, want to try and be better than other people, so, and it makes you push yourself without realising it. I so, by the end of it, it's the most high-intensity exercise I've done, maybe ever. The thing I like about it, it's probably not as culty as at 45. Maybe. Maybe it'll get there. It might get there. But, anyway, everyone... I, apologize. Like, everyone I publicly was... apologise to everyone if it does get there, and I turn into one of them. Yeah. But no, it's it's good fun. I, I highly recommend it. So, and they sponsor the club, so they're great people. Yep. Yeah. So, and there's a few of us there yesterday. Yeah, there's about ten. There had to have been. There's, there's three. Five, there's four, four pairs of us. Four pairs of two. Yeah. So, it's good fun. Um, but that's my story of the week. So I'll probably go back. I reckon. I reckon I'll get hooked on it. There you go. Are you gonna join? I reckon. Wow. Yeah. I reckon there is some scenario. In the world that I end up signing up, Sam will challenge us soon. Oh yeah, actually, going to also publicly announce 
Once this challenge starts at fit stop, I'm only allowed to drink after we win games of cricket on that night, and that is it. Mm. Winners beers only. So we better fucking win. They always taste better after you win too. Hundred percent. So. No, all good. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us again. Um, if you've got anything Forest podcast related or just dribble related, feel free to hit us up on Instagram at Armchair Critics or on the email armchaircritics at outlook.com. Um, Sean, thanks for joining us again, mate. Thanks for finding the time. No worries. We're fucking busy people, eh? We it's are. tough. It's it is tough. tough. It helps that it's raining, actually. We got some free time today. Fuck yeah. We had plenty of free time yesterday and we didn't do it. True. Because we were too busy dying. No, I was doing cricket stuff. Sure you were. I was. Yeah, I was busy doing cricket stuff too, eh? All right. And by cricket stuff, I mean lying on the couch, feeling sorry for myself. Oh, no. We actually had stuff to do at the club. So, anyway, thanks, guys, for tuning in, and we will see you next week.